0: up back there all right well we're going to go ahead and do our afternoon service um it's uh, going to be a bit of a shorter one but uh <clears throat> um uh like i said this morning i wanted to uh kind of uh take a, a look a little bit at some of these uh, principles uh of uh what our country started with you know there's there's been this debate back and forth about whether we really are a Christian nation or not, and I dare say that at this point in time, uh, I think we've definitely moved away from the principles of christ. Um, uh, I think that's very evident in what's gone on um, the The fact that we have uh, people out there you know now uh, decrying a whole branch of the government because it made choices uh, to support the things that are lawful and right. Uh, versus uh, the whims of whatever you know individuals want, and and they're throwing all of these things. And uh, uh, I, I guess if people really knew the religious background of the Supreme Court, uh, with uh, you know some of the first uh, justices that were there, such as Chief Justice John Jay, uh, it would it would be very evident that yeah the the. The Supreme Court is a conservative organization and it started that way and, uh, there's been a push to remove God from that, uh, from judgment altogether. And when you do that is when you start running into serious issues. Uh, you know, Romans 1 makes it really clear that, uh, when they, uh, when you remove God from the situation, uh, things are going to degrade. We'll take a look at that verse in just a moment, but let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time, and thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to just take a look a little bit here in uh, Scripture about uh, what you say about nations and about people that uh, should be seeking after you. Uh, Lord, also, in the comparison of what uh, you've given to us with the history of this country, and Lord while I understand that uh, everything in in regards to you is is constantly under attack and is constantly being questioned and uh disparaged as well as uh, uh trying to be eliminated from day-to-day life um Lord I just pray that we as Christians as believers would have an understanding of uh, how to elect representatives that uh uh, fear God and how to re- elect representatives that uh, truly make professions of faith and uh, uh, ones that are going to stick with what uh, your word says. And Lord, while it may seem that there isn't enough politicians out there to do that to make significant change, Lord, we know that you work in small numbers. You always have and you always show your, your, your mighty hand through all of that so that we will know it wasn't done by ours or by any hand or man of flesh, or excuse me, hand of flesh, but, Lord, uh, it would be done uh, by you and you only. And, Lord, I just pray that as we look at these things uh, to this afternoon, that, Lord, you just give us a, a comfort, and you give us a, a charge, and an, a, a, if you will, Lord, an admonition to continue to seek you, uh, to be a citizen uh, of uh, of heaven first, um, a child of God first, and, Lord, and to truly represent that as our citizenry, citizenry in this country, that, Lord, we would honor and please you so that our nation would be a godly nation. And again, Lord, I thank you for this, and I thank you for this time, and this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> I want you to turn, uh obviously, to Romans chapter 1 which is the verse that I just mentioned. Uh, and uh, I want us to just kind of consider some of these things. <clears throat> you know, our nation uh, is is truly uh, under attack at its very core principles. And the core principles upon which this country was founded were things of liberty, which we found comes from God, Freedom, which comes from God, uh, care for others, which again comes from God, and this, if you will, this desire to be content, which again comes from God. We find, you know, the the the, the holidays of Thanksgiving were formed for excuse me were formed for the purpose of 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 again giving thanks to God, being thankful. You know, uh, that's what always gets me, is how can a non-Christian sit there and think that they can be thankful when they don't have a God to thank? How does that work? How, I mean, how, how, how can you be thankful if you're not thankful to anyone? I mean, most of us were, were, were taught with manners, right? We grew up with manners. Anybody here not taught with manners? Uh <clears throat> My wife raised her hand. I'm like, well, <laughs> you, you, you're taught with manners. Now, now, look, I understand there's cultural differences. You know, you go to Asian countries. It is a cultural exception to slurp your noodles and make noise when you eat. It just is. You know, uh, in my household, we were taught that nobody should ever hear you chew or slurp or make a sound with your mouth at the dinner table. so we know there's cultural differences right but there's still an idea of manners that show you respect the other person now we're not actually asking you know to 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 respect an individual uh and what they do and what you know their beliefs are but to just simply provide that acknowledgement that hey, they're another human being, and we say things like please and thank you. I mean, those are almost kind of universal to to a lot of cultures. If somebody gives you a gift in another culture, <coughs> it is common and customary to say some form of a thank you, whether it's the word thank you or whether it's something else. Who knows? It can vary. It can be another gift. It can be, you know, a bow. It can be a handshake. It can be a hug. It can be a kiss in cultures, so on and so forth. But one thing that we find is that there's some kind of, if you will, understood forms of mannerisms. So there's always somebody that you're thanking when they do something for you. So how can somebody that is an atheist... Or somebody that does not believe in God, that does not believe God exists, how in that, how in the world can that person be thankful? Because thanksgiving is a God-fearing action. It is nothing less than that. We find that throughout scripture. But we take a look at Romans chapter 1, and as we go through all of this, and we see some of these things, um and it says here, uh, oh, let's just talk about in verse 19. It says, Because that which is known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. So here we are, we're entering into this with this, this idea of man is without excuse. So somebody can grow up in a culture, quote unquote, that may be godless, but they are not without excuse. Why is that? Because they all they have to do is look at their body and go, okay. That didn't happen from an amoeba when it rained on a rock. I didn't come from a monkey. So something's different. This is an engineered body. And all the engineers in this church said, Amen. there you go. Because <laughs> they understand it. They're scientists. An engineer scientist. We actually have scientists in here. Did you know that? Yeah. And they are. They they believe the word of God. That seems to be a, a, something that, that the world doesn't want. They don't want God in science. But a real scientist looks at it and says, hey, this is an engineered body. There's something about it. God has put this in him, Even so much so that psychologists today say that there's something in our brain that is wired to to try to think and contemplate who God is. Even in psychology, they believe this. So as we go through and we think about this even more, we go through uh, into verse 20, he says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that without excuse. You can go out and you begin to become a scientist, and you know what the science is going to prove? The science is going to prove there is a God. Not that there isn't a God, but that there is a God. So as we begin to understand that, we realize that all of these things that He showed to mankind in the past, in the previous, they were very clearly <coughs> <coughs> sorry, these allergies are killing me right now. Um, they're clearly showing that that it, it's it's from God, that it had to be created. And here we have these individuals looking at this and coming to the conclusion, okay, this is very different. Uh, again, I, I, I've, I've said this a couple of times. There was a, a very famous atheist that uh, absolutely uh, was was is, is adamant that there is no God. And he was confronted, and he was actually confronted by Ben Stein. Uh, uh, he's a Jewish ec- 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 economist. Thank you. He's going to get it out one of these days. And he, uh, he was confronting him about science and he, he said, well where do you, he said, how do you think mankind came to being? And he, and this atheist, renowned atheist, he said, well, let me put it to you this way. I, I think that somehow, some way that we were created, uh, through, or, or that we were, um, were made or fashioned in some way that was engineered by something that was more intelligent than we are. And he's like, intelligent design then. And he's like, well, not really. And he he said, well, yeah, you just described intelligent design. And and the the atheist is like, well, I don't believe that it was God that created us. And he said, so let me get this straight. You don't believe in a Judeo-Christian God that created us. You believe in something else. He goes, well, yeah, it's very possible we were engineered by aliens. Oh, good grief. You I know, mean, some of this stuff is just, well, then who made the aliens? All right. Let's just, keep, let's just keep going on that road. But again, when you get to God, it's like, well, who created God? God didn't because God's always existed. All right. Well, no, there always has to be. Well, if you're a person that believes that time is is throughout the universe and is always going to be, then, yeah, you would have to believe that, but if you're not if you're familiar with God being timeless, then it poses a very different answer. God has always been and will always be, because he is not bound by time. So when you move down a little bit further, here's what these individuals find. Because of that, in verse 21, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And, and as we go through this, we realize that they want to remove God. And it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image, make light and corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. This is Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their bodies between themselves. So what we see here is when they did not want God in their life, what did they do? They turned to wickedness. They turned to wickedness. So this is what happens. This is what 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 occurs. And if you jump to verse 28, it says this, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, To do those things which are not convenient. Now, I want you to understand; those are the same verses that our founding fathers read. And I'm going to read you this. I'm going to read you this one. This is from the Constitution of Massachusetts in 1780. Would you say that that, that Massachusetts right now is a liberal state or a conservative state? All right. Here it is. It is the duty of all men in society publicly to worship the supreme being, capitalized, the great creator and preserver of the universe, capitalized, as to the happiness of a people and the good order and preservation of civil government essentially depend upon piety, religion, and morality. The legislature shall authorize suitable provision for the public worship of God, and for the support and maintenance of public Protestant teachers of piety, religion, and morality. I wonder if that's still in the Constitution over there. I wonder if any of those people ever read that. They may not have. But we see here very clearly that they started off understanding those principles. Understanding that, hey, God is necessary just to be happy and that's what people are pursuing they need to pursue happiness okay then that means they need to pursue god and when the writers of our documents wrote the pursuit of life liberty or uh uh of now i'm going to butcher it happiness life and liberty you know the, the life liberty in the pursuit of happiness there we go poop i knew i'd get it out that life that they were telling to, to look for was a life in Christ. That liberty was a liberty that was found in Christ. And that pursuit of happiness was the pursuit of all things godly that led to that happiness. Turn to Psalms 33. Psalm chapter 33. Psalm chapter thirty-three, twelve, <clears> 12. <throat> and uh, we're going to take a look at a couple of these passages here. Psalm thirty-three, twelve. 12. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people who have chosen, who he has chosen for his own inheritance. I mean, it makes it really clear. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. If we want a blessed nation, then we have to choose God as our Lord. I mean, that, that, that's the way it has to be. And here he is talking about the, the, the nations, and obviously there's a there's a context here because of who wrote the psalm. He's talking about the nation of Israel, but at the same time, what I want us to understand is this: that when we look at what our nation's founding is, the Bible was there, present when they were writing these documents. They realized that if they wanted this nation to continue, they would have to have the blessings of God. Otherwise, they were going to be like every other quote unquote cursed nation. Every other cursed nation that was out there. Turn to uh, another Psalm, Psalm chapter 144. Psalm chapter 144. <clears throat> and here it is in verse 15. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yay. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. So here we realize that number one, while people are pursuing happiness in their life and they want happiness, then that means you have to pursue God. Remember what I said, every emotion, happiness, sadness, anger, and fear is meant to draw you nearer to God. If you are looking for happiness and you find happiness, then that means you are drawing closer to God. Now, there are things that we say may make us happy in this world, but to find the real, true happiness. Because again, there's a similitude of it in flesh, there's a similitude of it in the world, But it's not the same thing. Remember that the, 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 that Lucifer is, he he is a person that is a, a, if you will, a changer. He shifts. He can become like an angel of light. He transforms his ministers into ministers of righteousness. So that they look good. But they are corrupt. So he is somebody that is, if you will, a great con artist. He is somebody that can change something into looking really good when it is very, very deadly. So the same thing, when people pursue happiness in this world, they pursue the things of this world, they pursue, uh, um, uh material possessions, relationships, uh, friendships, um, all those things that they think are gonna make them happy, you know, career, uh, um, uh, enrichment or whatever they wanna call it, career satisfaction, all of those things, then they're pursuing the wrong thing. Because in the end, are you, are they going to be really super happy when they stand in front of a holy and righteous God and he says, depart from me? Oh, there's no happiness. There's no happiness. I was talking to this, uh, with, with our neighbor over here, Chuck, and, and I said, can you imagine the sheer terror? Because it says people are going to be thrown into hell. Could you imagine some big, burly, massive angel grabbing a hold of you and picking you up and you can't move? And they've got you and they toss you like a rag doll. That would be a scary thing. But very clearly, that's not going to bring about any happiness. The real true happiness, is says, is when, when, when our God, what we worship, is the Lord. The one true one. It, it, it can't exist any other way. You're never going to find happiness. Your spouse isn't going to give it to you. Your children aren't going to give it to you. Your job isn't going to give it to you. Your car isn't going to give it to you. Well, it brings a smile on my face. Okay, it's a temporary thing. You know what's going to be really happy? is when I stand you know, in front of Jesus Christ and He welcomes me as His Son because of His shed blood and His sacrifice upon the cross, which I would gladly receive. And I have forgiveness of sins and eternal life with Him. And I know for a fact when I open my eyes and I see my Savior, I am there forever. That's happiness. That brings happiness. It all depends on whether we want the real stuff or whether we want the fake stuff. MSG kind of tastes like salt. (laughs) In Chinese food, right? But it's not salt. I mean, it may be a form of some sort of salt, but it's not the salt with which you are familiar take a look at another passage, go over to Psalm 146, Psalm 146. And it says here, happy is he in verse five, Psalm 146, five, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. Now, now again, that, that is a verse that I look at and I just go, that's the happiness I want. That's where I really want to be in life. That's what I want to pursue. Because I know I'm going to be happy when God's my help. Okay, I get down in the dumps. I get depressed. Depression happens to people, okay? Look, depression's going to occur one way or another. If you focus on it, then you're going to go into clinical depression. Okay? So what you have to do is you have to look at it and approach it the right way. If you're sad, then you need to draw near to the Lord. If you draw near to the Lord, you won't go into a depression that requires, say, medication or something. Okay? What you start doing is you start going, okay, well, then all my trust and my confidence is in the faithfulness of who my God is. That's where it goes. And I go back to that. And I draw near to him. Every time I get sad, it's like, okay, Lord, now I'm coming to you in prayer. You know what's going on. You know where I'm at. And then the comforter comes. And what does the comforter do? But what the comforter does best, and that is comfort. <laughs> so there again, I, I mean, I, I find all of these things pointing to that. Our country, the our founding fathers, they knew these things. I'll give you some other examples. <clears throat> Let's see here. <clears throat> Some of you are familiar with Alex de Tocqueville, um, a French individual that kind of helped uh, look at some of the foundation of the country and, and, and what was going on. Um, uh, some of the things that he, he wound up writing about uh, the, the, the nation and what, uh, um, uh, what the U.S. looked like with, with uh, the government they had chosen. And here's what, he, uh, what was written. <clears throat> here's a statement that he wrote, what Tocqueville said. Christianity is the companion of liberty in all its conflicts, the cradle of its infancy, and the divine source of its claims. Christianity. Now look, when the the the, the, the writers use those words, Christianity, they're not talking about the fake stuff, okay? They're talking about the real stuff. They're talking about a real relationship. They're not talking about a shallow Christianity that did not have a relationship with God. They're not talking about a shallow Christianity that was in it for the purpose of excelling, uh, uh the, the, themselves, okay? They're not talking about progressive Christianity that, that we find today. They're talking about real true Christians that call themselves Christians because they are followers of Christ in his word. And that's what he said. He realizes that these two must go hand in hand, just like we saw earlier today about where liberty really has its foundation. And here he is, he's looking at the liberty that's found in the United States, and he's looking at it. What he says is he says, man, those things, they go hand in hand. They're companions. They're companions, one of the other quotes uh, that I have marked here <clears throat> uh, is, is some of these things about Ben Franklin. Now, as I said, you know, many people think that Ben Franklin was uh, some sort of, uh, you know, atheist, didn't really believe in God and blah, 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 blah. And they kind of use a couple of things that he said about it. But, but, but I want you to, 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 to hear something. And I want you to tell me what you think about this. Here, here's a prayer. Here's what Ben Franklin wrote about, you know, how he prays. Yeah, Ben Franklin is writing about how he prays. And he writes uh, this. He says, uh, Let me not fail then to praise my God continually, for it is his due, and it is all I can return for his many favors and goodness to me. And let me resolve to be virtuous, that I may be happy, that I may please him who is delighted to see me happy. Amen. He's talking about pleasing God okay okay, let's look at another one just to be to be sure <clears throat> here's a prayer he prayed, O Creator, O Father, I believe that thou art good and thou art pleased with the pleasure of thy children. Praise be thy name forever by thy power thou hast made the glorious Son with his attending worlds and the energy of thy might or of thy uh, of thy mighty. Will they first receive the prodigious motion and by thy wisdom thou hast prescribed the wondrous laws by which they move. Praised be thy name forever. By thy wisdom thou hast formed all things and thou hast created man bestowing life and reason and placed him in dignity superior to the other uh, earthly creatures. Praised be thy name forever. Thy wisdom, thy power and thy goodness are everywhere clearly seen in the air and the water and the heavens and the earth thou providest for the various winged fowl and the innumerable inhabitants of the water thou givest heat and uh, cold heat and rain sunshine in their season and the fruits of the earth increase praise be thy name forever i believe thou hast given life to thy creatures that they might live and are not delighted with violent death and bloody sacrifices praise be thy name forever Thou borest thy creatures, uh, uh, boarest in thy creatures treachery and deceit, malice, revenge, intemperance, and temperance in every hurtful vice. But thou art a lover of justice, sincerity, and of friendship, benevolence, and true virtue. Thou art my friend, my father, and my benefactor. Praise be thy name, O God, forever. Amen. Let me ask you, does that sound like a prayer of an atheist? Does that sound like a prayer of somebody that does not believe God? does that prayer sound prayer sound like anything of somebody that believed in some sort of humanistic science thing that people portray him as? No, it doesn't. that's something he wrote that's something he wrote this is and again, just to clarify this, here's another prayer that i may be preserved from atheism and infidelity impiety and profaneness in all my addresses to thee carefully avoid irreverence and ostination formality and his odious hypocrisy help me o oh father man alive if you were to say something like that in churches today that would be uh, uh, that would be that's a sermon in its own right and that was his prayer to God for help, you know he read these same passages that we read here about God being the help. Happy are these people whose God is there who whose help is God, the God of Jacob. Why? because they can look back and they can see what God did for Israel. And they can say, if God can do that for a nation, God can simply do that for a son that is believed on his name. And there these individuals are looking at and trying to establish a nation, and they said, we need God at the center of it. God must be at the element of all of this. Now they understood that people had the choice, and they didn't, weren't going to force it upon people. But they still understood that in order to have a nation that was going to be continuing for years and generations and centuries, they knew that God had to be at the at the very heart of it all. These are the things that he wrote when we begin to realize who he is and what he said. I'll give you another example. Uh, here in his autobiography, uh, he actually wrote that he carried around this little book that had 13 virtues. And these were the 13 virtues. And the first one was temperance. And he says, drink not to elevation. This is kind of how he relates it. Silence, avoid trifling conversation. Order, let all your things have all their places. Resolution, perform without fail what you resolve. Frugality, i.e. waste nothing. Industry, lose no time, be always employed. Sincerity, use no hurtful deceit, think innocently. Justice, wrong none by doing injuries. Moderation, avoid extremes, forbear, resenting. Cleanliness, tolerate no uncleanness in body. Now again, he's not talking about sanitary type stuff tranquility be not disturbed at trifles now for some reason here in this book it has a number 12 listed as chastity and then it just is blank <laughs> so i don't know what that means but the 13 thing that he had listed down was humility and this is what he had written by it imitate jesus Ben Franklin realized that humility was of a great importance and he realized the only way to do that was exactly as Paul said in the book of Philippians. You have to have the mind of Christ. You have to think like Him. You have to act like Him. You have to behave like Him. And we find very clearly that this is what God is saying about what our life should be. Does He not reiterate over and over again that our greatest example is Christ? Does He not reiterate again that we should be followers of Him? Not followers of man? Turn over to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 13. To say 13, I meant 14. Proverbs 14. Proverbs chapter 14 and in verse 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Let's think about that for a minute. Righteousness exalteth a nation. How are they trying to exalt our nation today? Not by righteousness, not by righteousness, but it's my right. No, it's not. It's your choice, but you either get to choose righteousness or sin. You know, everything about life is a choice. This is why the Calvinist is so wrong. Everything is about choice. You have to make a decision, right or wrong, right or wrong, right or wrong, right or wrong, right or wrong. And when we think about this for a moment, a lot of it is also we choose how to respond. So events happen, and then we choose. A choice is presented, and we choose. Something untimely happens to us, we have a choice of how to respond we can freak out and thrash our hands in the air and go, ah, the is falling, right? Or we can bow our heads and say, dear Heavenly Father, help me. There's a choice, isn't there? We choose how we respond. When we fail, we have a choice of what to do with the failure. We learn from it, or we're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. The choice is ours. So when we look at all of these things, we begin to realize, hey, I'm, I'm given a choice. I'm given a choice. This is why it's always great, you know, parents are, 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 are big advocates of this, and I should get a hearty amen when I, when I say this. They've already made some of those choices for us young, you know, for the younger folk. So when they say, don't do that because I already did that. Don't be the one that says, well, I just have to try it for myself. No, you don't. You don't. I mean, how how many of us in here that are parents? Okay. Okay. We're parents. Raise your hands. You, raise your hands, okay? Raise them high. Okay. Your parents. All right. How many of you parents have made a decision that you don't want your children to make? Raise them high. <laughs> Young folk, look around. Look around. Okay. Young folk, it's your turn. How many of you have already experienced the, I didn't listen to my parents, so I experienced what they told me I was going to have? Happened in my life. <laughs> Come on, David, get your hand in that air. Come on. You you understand what I'm saying. You know, it's a choice of righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation. But what does he say? Sin is a reproach to any people. It will bring you down. It will drag you into the gutter. It will make you wish you had never even had the thought in your head. That's what reproach is about. That's what reproach is about. And, and, and when we look at this, all of these people that are making these statements, and i, I got to take a look at which one it is here because I forgot to mark it on this page. <clears throat> Here we go. Here's here's this, uh, uh, as I referenced earlier, John Jay, Chief Justice. And here he was, he, he stated this um, when he was uh, talking to some individuals um, uh, to the American Bible Society, when um, he was serving as its president. Could you imagine right now if they all of a sudden found out Clarence Thomas, for some reason, was a president of the American Bible Society? what they would do or Kavanaugh or any of them that were, they would be like freaking out right now. He says, In the forming and settling my belief relative to the doctrines of Christianity, I adopt no articles from creeds or such only as in careful examination I found to be confirmed by the Bible. You know what he's saying? He doesn't do anything in his life unless the Bible confirms he should be doing it. That's how he lived his life. That's how he made judgments and decisions. That's why we have some of the judgments that we have. Now, look, I understand. I'm not trying to lift these men up as infallible. I'm not trying to say that they didn't have their own vices and they didn't have their own problems. And somebody's going to say, well, they don't... Those guys, they had distilleries and breweries. And these guys over there, they had slaves and all this stuff. And and this one was involved in debauchery and adultery and things like that. Look. Noah, what did he do? He built a distillery. (laughs) If you will, built the very first winery. He got drunk. It didn't end well. (laughs) Somebody got cursed because of it. Not good. Adultery. Uh, King David. But you know what? They're still men of God. They're still men of God. And when we realize what goes on here, and, and while people may criticize these individuals and they may bring up one thing, that doesn't mean you throw everything out and say that they were, that they were just, you know, absolute terrible, horrible sinners. You bring up some of the stuff that I've done in my past. Oh, good night. You guys are going to think, oh, he's not qualified to be a pastor of anything. Okay. But then if we start bringing up everybody else's, then we're not qualified to even sit in the church pew. Right. Let's be honest about it. Because of the things that we've done, the choices that we've made. But that's exactly what he says. Uh, you know, that it has to be confirmed. Uh, um <clears throat> You know, has to be confirmed by the Bible. He he was asked. He says, at a party in Paris once, the question fell on religious matters. In the course of it, one of them asked me if I believed in Christ. Here he says, I answered that I did, and I thanked God that I did. That's the Chief Justice, one of our first. And when we begin to realize that this is the foundation and foundational principles of what this country was built upon, we realize that they were reading the same Bible that we're reading today. Well, what's the difference? People do not like to retain God in their knowledge. So God gives them over to a reprobate mind. Which is where we are heading. Which is why it becomes so important that we... Do not do the same. We do not ignore God. We do not, we retain Him in every area of our life, in all knowledge. Failure to do so produces corruption and if you will, a reprobate action from a reprobate mind. Turn to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. Well, some of the founding fathers used verses that were obviously meant for the nation of Israel talking about this nation. Uh, They understood that God was talking about Israel. Okay? They weren't replacement theologists and those are the guys that run around like that group down in Arizona and California and even here in Vancouver that run around and saying that they're now Israelites and they're now Jews and that the real Jews are actually a Satan worshipers and oh, just, whatever, stop, just stop. You know, that's heresy. And that's not what our founding fathers were. You know what they did is they looked at the love of God for his nation and they wanted the same love for theirs. That's all they were wanting. And they realized that if God was going to demonstrate that to that nation, then why, if they chose God as the, you know, their Lord, why would God not demonstrate some of those same principles to a nation that chose God? Versus something else. In Isaiah chapter 60, in verse 12, it says, For the nation and the kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. And therein lies the question. With liberty, we saw that it was connected to service this morning. And when we look at this and we realize people that choose not to serve God, you know what the end result is? Destruction. Destruction. We have a choice in our life we can choose god or we can choose ourselves we choose ourselves and we serve ourselves instead of serving god well that principle's still there they're going to perish and they're going to be utterly wasted I'll tell you what what what, it, what what's really horrible is when you look at life and you look at somebody that uh chose not to serve God. And you look at their life and uh, at the end of it, when they realize exactly what they've done and they stand there and they say, I wasted it. I wasted it. I wasted years of youth. I wasted years of adult life. was wasted. Here I am at 48 years old, trying to do something for God. Maybe failing miserably. Maybe not. I'm just simply trying to please my Savior. I'm trying to serve Him. Yeah, I'm going to fail along the way. I'm going to try to learn from those failures. Because I want to serve God. We talk a lot about wasted lives. And some of us live with regret of wasted lives. But I'll tell you this. Don't. Don't live in regret. That's that's the occupation and habitation of the devil. Live in the purpose of the moment of what God has given you to do. Realize that you have a direction in your life that is given to you by God. Our founding fathers, they knew that. They knew that they had a fresh start. They knew they had an opportunity to serve God. They knew that they had an opportunity to please Him. They knew that they had an opportunity to do something for the Lord. I want to read... uh, One more thing here. Based on what I just read here, it's clear that some of those principles translated into even some of the sayings of these individuals. There's an individual by the name of Gouverneur Morris. Not Governor, but Gouverneur Morris. And he lived from 1752 to 1816. And he was a a writer of the final draft of the Constitution of the United States. And he was head of the Committee on Style. They still did things with style back then. And he was the originator of the phrase, We the people of the United States. He was he was thirty five years old when he served as one of the members of the Continental Congress and spoke a hundred and seventy three times during the constitutional debates more than any other delegate and he wrote something here if you will um something that we, he he could be stated by him he said religion and when he's talking about religion he's talking about Pure religion, as, you know, James defines it, talking about Christianity, talking about God, not talking about Buddhism, you know, Islam, anything else, okay? It's talking about God. Religion is the only solid basis of good morals. Therefore, education should teach the precepts of religion and the, and the duties of man toward God. I want to read that last part again. Education should teach the precepts of religion and the duties of man towards God. I can almost hear Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12.13 ringing true. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole what? duty of man these are people that wrote these 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 documents. these are the people that founded our nation. and if you're wondering what book came from it came from this book. that's all this is. This book is a treasure. This book shows me why our country is the way it, it started. And it goes through here and it goes through and it identifies in all the cases everything in here about where individuals went through and identified where God is found in politics. Long time ago somebody said Christian has no business ever running for politics, you know, going into into office. That is, that, that led to some disastrous things that we have now. Yeah. You know what? We need more Christians running for office. Right. No, I'm not qualified for it. They might dig up some dirt. They might not like what I say about this. They might not like what I say about that. Who cares? I know this. At least you will have said, I'm going to fight for God. I'm going to stand and make this country as good, you know, as 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 I can according to scriptures. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my dead level best to to stand in the gap and say, "Here am I. Send me." And that's the mentality we should have. These are just a few of the things that I've written, or that that, that have been written that I've read here. But we find very clearly that the Lord has made it clear in His Word that we as a people, that we have a duty to seek the Lord, to follow Him. And we as Christians, we have to treat it the same way. We have to treat it the same way. And you know what that means? That means we do a couple of things. Yeah, we run for office. Yeah, we're politically active. Well, I don't like politics. Neither do I. I hate it. I can't stand them. But you know what? I'll still try to influence the city councilors with a witness that they know that there's a people, there's people here that they represent that fear God and they need to make decisions accordingly. So yeah, you're like, well, they're not doing it now. All right, then influence them more. When's the last time we prayed for them? Doesn't it say to pray for them that are in office? That's a commandment of God. If you don't know who your senators are, you don't know who your congressmen are, you don't know who your district representatives are and your counselors, you should. And when they come and they're there and they want to know who to vote for, call up their office, ask them questions. Well, they may not, call them up. Send them an email. If they won't answer it, then you might have your answer. Some will, some won't. And you find the one that is going to follow the Word of God. You find the one that's going to believe what God said. You find the one that wants to promote God, not an agenda not a party platform, not a person, but God himself. I recently took a look at all the sheriff candidates. Man, a lot of them, you know, all of them have some good things to say. Some of them have some stupid things to say. But there was one that I looked at and I went, wow. And you know what he is? He's a guy that makes statements boldly about his faith in Jesus. He's a good candidate. Now I can't officially endorse him because of stupid laws. Or shall we say non-perfect laws. <laughs> <clears throat> um but but I you know I'll tell you this. You do a little bit of research, you're gonna find one that seems to really truly have an idea of what it means to be a Christian, and he's the one that you think you'd think that the left and the progressives would vote for, but they don't, because again, it's not about a color of a skin. They go for people based on who will promote their agenda, regardless of skin color, even to the point of where it seems racist. So just some words to think about. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer, and uh, and uh, we can be dismissed. Gary, would you dismiss us in prayer?